Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Friday, May 19th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Happy Friday to us all. Welcome to the show. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week leading into a very fun weekend. If your weekend includes some mixed martial arts action, You'll get it tomorrow, UFC Vegas 73, headlined by Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill. If you want to see some fists to faces, you get BKFC tonight as well. So a little something-something. We got big boxing match. Katie Taylor's back tomorrow. We got Haney Lomachenko tomorrow. So we got a lot going on in the combat sports world. As you know... Since it is Friday, there's two things that are going to be happening. One, because I'm doing a show, the landscapers will be out front, as they already are. You can probably hear them mowing and weed whacking in the background, because why the hell not? They always do that. And two, it's a free-for-all Friday. So we could talk about MMA. We could talk about UFC Vegas 73. We could talk about Francis, John Jones, Tyson Fury, whatever you want. We could talk about other things as well. Uh, So that's what we're going to do today. Let's get to you. Fridays are your shows. There's no diatribes. Let's get right after it. Uh, I am a man of my word. James Foster. I said if you hop on in, you will be first. And that is what is happening today. James, hello. Hey, heck of a morning to you, Mike. Uh, You too. I know it's been a while since I jumped on here, but I just want to wish you back. Uh, I'm glad to hear you had a good vacation. I know it's probably been a few weeks. You probably feel like you need another one, but we're always happy to have you back, especially in this space. Um, but yeah, a couple of weeks ago when everyone was matchmaking for Parker Porter, everyone missed the obvious one. It's Roy Nelson. Get Roy Nelson back in there after his big knockout in the bare knuckle MMA. Bring him back to USC for one fight. Just have him and 
park reporters just throwing lunch boxes at each other. I think we would all just love to watch that. And uh, with the BMF uh, title, is that basically just a number one contenders fight? Whoever wins that fight, do you think we'll get the next uh, title shot? And uh, Shotkoff, uh, I love watching Shotkoff fight. I don't know if you have any news for him. If the UFC is eyeing a fight for him, I know he's kind of in a weird space. Uh, everyone above him has either already fought, and the only one that kind of makes sense is Usman, but Usman ain't going to take that fight. So maybe his only option is to fight down. And, uh, and yeah, Mike, just have a heck of a morning. Thank you for what you do, and good luck to your Celtics tonight. I think they could probably use all the luck that they could get at this point. So, But have a heck of a morning, and happy birthday, AK. Look, the Celtics don't need luck. They just need to play basketball. If they just play basketball for four quarters, they will beat the Heat every single game. They just like to take quarters off, and when they do, the other team just kills them, and that's what happened in game one. And the other thing they need to do is just feed Robert Williams. And if they do, Robert Williams score like 50 points because they can't stop him. They cannot stop the Celtics in the paint and down low. They can't. Celtics killed them down low. They just don't have the size and the strength to match up. But it's the playoffs and the hot team usually comes through. And Miami's been incredible throughout this postseason. Shavkar Akhmanov, I don't know what the hell he's going to do. He's probably going to have to fight backwards. I don't know who he's going to fight. Um, maybe the – like if Sean Brady beats Jack Della Maddalena, I think that's something they could look at. Um, maybe the Kiesa Kevin Holland winner perhaps. I don't know. But he's in kind of a weird position right now when it comes to who he's going to fight next with this division sort of looking like it is looking like right now. The BMF title thing, look, I've talked about this before. I get why they're doing it, but it doesn't need it. This ha- this fight rules. It's a hat on a hat. If you're going to do something, my whole premise is, like, while I understand the BMF thing and this is the kind of fight that personifies that, you said it was going to be a one and done. Let's just do something different. The the vi- all violence title or something like you can do whatever you want, just have fun with it. And if you want to make the BMF title fun, I'm okay with that. But when you come out and say it's a one time thing and it's never going to be defended again, and yada yada yada, like, and then we just because Mazadal retires, we just put it back out there. I, 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 don't, I don't know, it's not my thing. This is a fight that didn't need it, but whatever. Some people like it. I think we could be a little more fun and creative with it. But no, I, I don't know if it's a number one contender fight. I mean, it could be. But if Benil Darius beats Charles Oliveira, they're giving Benil the title shot. And if Benil doesn't win, I don't know what they're going to do. Because j- between July 29th and October, whenever that's going to happen, that's not a ton of time. That's two and a half months And then you're going to ask one of these guys after going to absolute war to turn around and fight Islam Makachev in Abu Dhabi. It's a tough ask. So if Benil wins, I think he gets it. If Benil loses and Volkanovsky just blows the doors off Yair Rodriguez, it would not surprise me if they went back to that and just do that one again. Because Volkanovsky has said, look, I want to defend the featherweight title and then maybe at the end of the year we'll do it. So... I just don't know if we're, if Poirier and Gaethje are going to be able to turn around that quickly to fight for the belts. Now, could they fight for the belt in their next fight? Maybe get the winner of whoever Islam fights? Probably. 
but I think it's going to be Darius or probably Volkanovsky if he beats Yair. And the Parker Porter, Roy Nelson thing, Parker Porter is a minus 900 favorite in that fight because Parker will just take him down and just outwork him. Uh, I don't think they'll be throwing lunchboxes at each other. I think there'll be a couple of lunchboxes thrown, and then Parker's going to take him down and kill him. So I think Roy Nelson, if he's got a fight, I think doing the, the game-bred bare-knuckle thing is probably the best bet for him. I, I was a little, I was a little petrified for him uh, against Dylan Kleckler. I didn't think that was going to go very well for him. And sure enough, seems like that's the kind of thing Roy likes to do. Roy could have been good in BKFC. But he's getting up there in age. So, yeah, I think he's if he's going to keep fighting, just do the game bird thing and do you, bro. Do you. But do not do not go after the future heavyweight champion, Parker Porter. That's insane. You don't want to do that to yourself. Uh, let's go to Chaos. What's up, Chaos? You got me? Uh, I got yes, you, sir. How are sweet. you? That's good. Thanks, Mike. Uh, heck of a morning. First time caller, long-time listener. What do you think the probability of Connor returning this year is? We're running out of pay-per-view events. I think only September, November, and December are free. And Polymarket's given him about 25% chance of returning by mid-November, which I think is really optimistic. Is he even in the pool yet? Have we got any updates? Cheers. Uh, as far as I know, the last time I checked, this is a couple of weeks ago, he was not in the pool. But honestly, I don't think that matters. I don't think that matters. Dana's already kind of shrugged it off. Like, I'm not answering these questions. Go talk to Jeff Davitsky. The UFC has used exemptions before. Wouldn't shock me if they did it again. And sure, people will be questioning it. But by the time the fight gets there, I don't think anybody will care. They just want to see Connor back in there, especially against Michael Chandler. Like I've said, my prediction pretty much all year and even at the end of last year was December because that December pay-per-view <laughs> last year was bad. That was a bad one. And that's usually like a, a tent pole type of pay-per-view for them. Brian Campbell on morning combat always talks about how they have the UFC as majors. It's international fight week. It's MSG. December is usually one of those. They usually load those up and then either like March or September, like another one is usually what they load up. March is probably the one more often than not. But if it's going to happen this year, it's probably going to happen in December. Um, MSG, it seems like they want John Jones versus Stipe. I don't know if John Jones is going to want to be, I mean, maybe he would if he gets pay-per-view points, be on the undercard of Connor's return. But I think John would probably want that main event spot. I think Stipe would want that main event spot. And that building's going to sell out and that's going to do a lot of pay-per-view buys anyways. So I think it's kind of pointless to put both those fights on the same card. It would be gigantic, but then what are you going to do in December? So I would say December would be probably what we're looking at if it's going to happen this year, but I don't know. He's going to get back in the pool and whether that matters or not is the big question for me. But yeah, I just think he has to – if he goes in there and, like, passes a couple of tests, they'll be like, all right, dude, you can go fight. Especially with Connor, kind of plays by his own rules. And he's the biggest star in the sport, and he's a guaranteed million pay-per-view by a guy. So if there is an exemption to be had, it will be given to him. Tristan, hello. Hey, Mike. How's everything going? Uh, a couple of questions here. Um, so 
I might have missed this. It was one of um, Gilbert Burns' uh, post-fight scrums, I believe, or possibly before he fought. I don't know which card. But um, Mike Bond from um, MMA Junkie had asked him about Kamara Usman possibly splitting up with Trevor Whitman. I mean, I don't uh, – Gilbert had said that he's been – he wanted to ask Kamara Usman about it. But because um, the thing about it, he saw Kamara Usman at Cliff, Cliff FC a lot. Because usually he would split time and go to Colorado to train with Trevor. So, did you hear something about that? Because I, I was that took me back. I was shocked. I was like, "What? I didn't hear about this." So I, I don't know what you uh, just your thoughts on that. If, if that is possible. Second question I have. Um, I just saw. I think on MMA media, MMA Mania had uh, posted um, that. Uh, now obviously it's not confirmed if it's not confirmed mmafighting.com then it's not booked yet but i'm hearing tatiana swords will be fighting verna general robot august 5th that's supposed to be a fight night card i believe it's supposed to be a nashville tennessee so i just if you're hearing that uh just let me know just want to know about that and then um my my last thing is uh regards to the boston celtics here um the fourth quarter i mean i i was watching that game and then i'm like all right i was really thinking that all right boston got this game this, this game's over I come up and wake up in the morning and they lost. I'm like, how did that happen? So, I mean, they were saying that the fourth quarter, they just they just didn't play well. Uh, Tatum had, like, what, two or three turnovers, didn't take a shot in that fourth quarter. So, like, what's your, your gauge on him? Because, uh, like, I'm not going to question Tatum. I, I think Tatum is a superstar. But there's sometimes there's this, lack, you know, kind of like the sense of urgency is not there at times with him. It's ebb and flows up and down. So, just your thoughts about those things. I those three. Uh, excuse me. Those three things I had to say. Thanks, Mike. So the Usman thing, like I don't, I don't really know. But even at like after the Gilbert Burns fight for Usman, he was still training at Killcliffe. It's not like he he. It's like he lives in Denver. You know what I mean? He train like when he's training, like off. I guess off season, if you will, if he doesn't have a fight, like he's still. You know, he travels from Florida to Texas and all these different places. So he still he still does train at Killcliffe. So even him just being in the gym at Killcliffe in between fights is not it's not new. Um, so I don't know if he's left Trevor. And if he goes and works with Trevor, it means he's getting ready for a fight. So I guess that kind of remains to be seen. If he books another fight, then I guess we'll kind of get our answer to that. So I don't know how much stock I put into that. Uh, the Tatiana Suarez, Verna Janjaroba fight. Uh, MMA Mulatto reported this last night. We had heard rumblings. We had been looking into it. What we can tell you, yes, it's on MMAfighting.com, but I would say expect that fight to happen. Uh, it's looking good. It's looking good. That's, that's what I can tell you. It's not on the website yet, but uh, that is a fight the UFC wants. It has been presented to both fighters. Uh, and it seems like it's going to happen. So kudos to MMA Mulatto for getting that right. And as far as Celtics go, yeah, that Tatum was, was pretty awful in the fourth quarter, but they were, as a team, were awful in the third quarter. They just got the doors blown off of them. I mean, if a team scores 50 points against you in the third quarter, like you're probably not going to win a lot of basketball games. And Miami just came out and kicked the living shit out of them in the third quarter and just kind of like took the wind out of their sails. They just stopped doing what was so successful in the first quarter, in the first half. 
which was get the ball down low. Let Marcus Smart do his thing and dump the ball down low and get easy baskets. But instead, they try to get too fancy and shoot a bunch of threes. And I don't know. They have to win tonight, though. I mean, this is – I hate saying a game two is a must win, especially the team as good as the Celtics, but you can't go to Miami down 0-2. You can't. You got to go in there. And I don't even know if a win's good enough tonight. You got to go in there and, and just blow the doors off them because the Celtics are a better basketball team than the Heat. I don't care who – you can try to paint me a different picture, and it's a bad picture and it ain't true. But if the Celtics play their absolute best game and Miami plays their absolute best game every game this series, the Celtics beat them by double digits every single game. It's just the way that it is. They're the better basketball team. Miami has played great in the playoffs. Their guys have stepped up. And you know what? Here, here's one of my bigger takeaways from, from game one. I didn't hate watching Kyle Lowry play basketball. He didn't flop around and dive into the stands every time he drove to the basket. That annoyed the crap out of me last year when they played in the postseason. Kyle Lowry just dove all over the floor. If you, if you took a breath at him, he flew in the sky complaining to the referees that he got fouled, even if a player was within eight feet of him. That dude drives me insane, but he played out of his mind, and especially in the first half in game one. He was huge. Without Kyle Lowry in game one in that first half, the Celtics would have headed into the third quarter up like 30 points. But Lowry was, was money, and he wasn't just annoyingly awful to watch. But we'll see. They got to win tonight, though. God, they have to win tonight. Uh, let's go to JSTAT. What's up, JSTAT? You too. What is next for Johnny Walker? Because you got John Blahovich fighting Alex Pereira. So what's what's the state of the uh, 205 division, in your opinion? I think Johnny Walker is going to fight Magomed Ankalaev next. I think that's the fight they're going to do. They're going to give Ankalaev... They're just not like Ankalaev might be the best 205er in the world, but he has not left a good taste in the UFC's mouths with his performances. Uh, the Tiago Santos fight was really bad. Um, he won dominantly, but it wasn't the kind of performance that he was certainly looking for. And what the UFC was looking for. Yeah, he beat up Anthony Smith, but Anthony kind of got hurt in that fight and. He did what he sort of needed to do. And then the title fight with Jan Bohovich did not. I, and I'll say this, and I've said this a million times. I didn't think that fight was as bad as Dana said as it was. I think he probably wanted a little bit more out of Ankalaev in terms of trying to get a finish and get him out of there and make it emphatic. Probably shouldn't have been a draw. I thought Ankalaev probably won that fight, but... He's just not in the great graces of the UFC, and this division just has more interesting and more drawable names within it than Magomed Ankalaev right now. So I think they give Johnny Walker that opportunity, see if Johnny can get a big win. And if not, if Ankalaev can be impressive, then he's going to be back in the good graces. So I kind of think that that's the fight to make. That was my Otno pick, and I think that's what they're going to end up doing. So... We'll see how it plays out. I would pick Magomed Ankalaev to win that fight, but maybe Magomed just feels the pressure of I have to go out there and perform and tries to have a big striking battle with Ankalaev, and 
with Johnny Walker and maybe Johnny knocks him out. And I don't think the UFC would be too upset about that if we're being honest, but at the same token, I didn't think Johnny's performance against Anthony Smith was all that great either. I mean, he won and that's great, but even Dana said after the fact, not the kind of performance that's going to get you into a title fight. And had he gone out there and just killed Anthony Smith, if he got a finish in the third round, the way that fight was going and he probably should have, might be having a different conversation right now. But now I think they're just going to throw those two guys in there together and one of them is going to be out of the title picture for, for quite some time. Let's go to Four Corner Sports. What's up? Hey, Mike, heck good morning. Um, so I see – I don't know if it's official on, on MMA fighting. I just saw it right now. But um, I see that there's reports of um, Tatiana Suarez versus Verna Jandaroba. And I'm assuming this is a strawberry. And if that's the case, um, is it that the UFC is trying to fast-track Tatiana into a title fight? Because if all goes well, um, then John Wei Lee retains her title against Amanda Lemos. And it, it looks like the same time frame, this, um, maybe like about like a week apart of anything. Amanda Lemos, um, John Wei Lee, and Tatiana Sora versus Vernon Jandaroba. You think they might try to set that up as the next possible fight? For um, both ladies, if uh, Tatiana wins and Zhang Weili wins, and I've been seeing all over Twitter, um, Tyson Fury, you know, going off on Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan said that uh, John Jones would be able to de- uh, destroy Tyson Fury. I mean, I, I see a lot of people saying that uh, Fury would be able to knock out Jones, and which is possible, but you know. People have this misconception that, you know, fighting is only just requiring just throwing fists and stuff like that. And I think if you were to lock up John Jones and Tyson Fury in a room, I'm pretty, you know, well confident that uh, Jones walks out there as the winner just because he has more tools to the table as as opposed to Tyson Fury. And I did listen to Mackenzie Dern's, um, what's it called, Media Day Scrum. It seems like she has a lot of demons, you know, fighting in the main event. I mean, that's something that's a little bit concerning. I know she has a lot on her plate. Is this, you know, something that is on the table for Angela Hill to just, you know, be as a favorite to, to win uh, for tomorrow night's main event? I mean, it just doesn't seem like Mackenzie Durant's head's not all there. With everything that's happening in her personal life, coach not being there for part of her training camp, and the fact that she keeps on talking about that she's 0-2 in, as a main event um, fighter. I don't know. I just want to hear your thoughts and opinions. All right. Thanks, Mike. So we, we touched on a couple of these things already. Um, the suarez Jandaroba fight, probably going to happen. We haven't, like, fully confirmed it, but I would say that's um, probably going to happen. Do I think they're fast-tracking Tatiana Suarez? No, I don't. Um, if she wins, I don't think they're going to give her a title fight. I think the UFC is well aware of the potential – like, I think it was just getting Zhang back in there because she hasn't fought. That'll be 10 months between fights. I think we're just trying to get Zhang in there. I think they like probably the stylistic matchup for her just to get her in front of the peeps and maybe try to build. If Yang Zhao Nan does not get the next shot, then what are we doing here? Like, if Zhang Weili beats Amanda Lemos and I expect her to do so, if they don't do Zhang Weili versus Yang Zhao Nan, that is promotional malpractice. Like how do you how can you not do that? Try to find it. Try to find a way to to go to China and do it. That's the fight to make. Like that is absolutely the fight to make. 
I just don't know what else you can do. Or, I mean, I'm shocked that they even made this fight. I thought they were just going to go right to that route, but that's the fight you make. And Tatiana is probably in no rush right now. I don't know if you can go from Verna Jandaroba to a title fight. That's a good fight. I mean, that's good. I think this is really good matchmaking. I think this is really good matchmaking. John Jarob is on is on a tear right now. We got basically wrestler versus Brazilian jiu-jitsu, technique versus strength. I love this. I, I like the I like the matchup. But no, I don't think if Tatiana wins, she's getting a title shot. Now, if Amanda Lemos wins and Tatiana wins, maybe. Maybe. But if Zhang wins, they gotta do the Yan Zhang fight. They have to. They gotta do it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to Cole, then we'll go to Toke, and then we'll go to Jackson. Cole, what's up? Heck of a morning, Mike. Uh, I just got a question. Wondering if you saw any of that hockey game last night. The game winner was scored with 12 seconds left in the fourth overtime. They played over two games worth. So that's pretty crazy. But I got one question. If If you had to pick and you had money on it, who would you say they end up scheduling to fight first? The winner of Whitaker versus Duplessis against Adesanya or Connor versus Chandler. All right, I'll hang up and listen. Who fights first? The winner of Whitaker Duplessis versus Adesanya or Connor fighting Chandler? It's a good question. Because I'm not I'm not fully convinced that Whitaker DDP is going to happen. I feel like they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to switch some things up. I, and I was thinking about this today. I was I was driving to the gym and I was like, how the hell are they gonna pull this off? Like if Whitaker at DDP goes, they go like a three round fight, and then you have you try to get Whitaker back in two months. I just don't know if that happens, and I just don't know if DDP will like unless he gets a quick finish, which I don't think he will. How's he going to turn back around in two months? I don't know. That's just kind of asking a lot. And then some of the other big fights coming up at 185, we got Vittori Cannonier. Izzy's already 
beat both of those guys convincingly, Vittori twice. No one's going to want to see Cannonier fight Adesanya again. We got Strickland's Abus Magomedov July 1st, and I think if Strickland wins that fight, he seems to be the kind of guy that can turn around if they need him, but I don't know if they would just chuck Strickland into a title fight with a win over Abus Magomedov, and then we have the Ikram Alaskarov Paulo Costa fight, but that's later in July, so that's like a month and a half turnaround. I think they're going to have to move some things around. I think they're going to have to move some things around. Unless both these guys agreed and they're confident they can turn back around. But if you go to Sydney September 10th or September 9th, as it's going to be here, and Izzy's not fighting, then what are we doing? So I kind of feel like they might be in a position where they're just going to have to move some things around, maybe shuffle up some fights, maybe pull DDP and just throw him right in there without Asanya and throw Whitaker in there with, Strickland or I don't know what they're going to do, but it just feels like they're asking a lot from those two guys. Having said that, I just don't know when Connor's going to come back. So I guess I will, I will be optimistic that everything works out great. That Whitaker and DDP have a fun fight. Nobody gets hurt. The winner comes out relatively unscathed and they could turn back around. So I will go, with the middleweight title fight, the winner of that fighting Adesanya first, then Connor fighting Chandler. But I'm not, I, I can't say I'm overly confident in either at this, at this moment. So I'm curious to see if they're going to switch some things around. What's up, Toke? About Bellator being up for sale, perhaps maybe, you know, no rumor thing. And then I went to my business part of my brain and I thought, wait a second. A thing that usually happens in industries is that they go and try and consolidate. So what I'm considering here, I, I watch Succession a lot. Sorry, I use all that jing- uh, mumbo jumbo from that show. But what I will say is this. What happened if there was a merger of equals, let's say? With PFL and Bellator, which parts of Bellator would you keep? Because there's, uh, other than the fighters, of course, but in, in the sense of, would you keep the PFL season which, or would you keep the Grand Prix from Bellator? How would you do the whole, uh, the whole merger? What parts of each would you keep? And, of course, we have to celebrate the new consolidation in this fictional scenario. So the matchup that I'm looking at as the main event is, of course, Kayla versus Cyborg. But other than that, which are kind of, let's, let's show what this new entity is. What are the matchups that you're going for? Is it Brendan Lochnane versus Patricio Pitbull? I just it just uh, play with me a little here on uh, Free Fall Friday. And... Have a have a heck of a day, Mike. So, honestly, I like I actually think the merge would be super fascinating if Bellator and PFL merged. I mean, that's going to give Bellator some big headlines. The good news of all of this would be that Bellator would still be sort of a thing, but it just wouldn't be called Bellator anymore. I just think that's I just think it's such a bad name for an MMA promotion. I've just never I've never liked the name. 
the talent is incredible. Like the talent on the Bellator roster far exceeds the PFLs. I mean, it's not even, it's not even close. It's not even close. I'm trying to think like what would be great fight. Cause like most of the compelling matchups would be the Bellator fighters fighting each other. So, cause they just have the better roster. But if that merger does happen, it's going to create a lot of new avenues for fighters because that's just, that's going to be a power play. I think they would keep the season format. I think they would do some more pay-per-views and I think the bigger, the bigger names and the current champions would be sort of the pay-per-view fighters and you would use the, the million dollar tournaments to build new talents. And I think that's like a really good proposition because that's the one thing that really hinders the PFL is that you can't build a profitable pay-per-view with the roster that they have. Sure. You're going to have Francis in 2024. That's going to create some, some interesting things, but you need people for him to fight. So that's one thing you have to deal with. Like if Francis fighting anti Elijah, no disrespect to anti Elijah, but no one's going to spend $50 on that. Some will, because it's the first fight, but it's not one of those overwhelming draws that you're like, Ooh, I have to spend $50 to watch Francis fight this guy. That he's a minus 1200 favorite against Harrison cyborg would probably be something they would do, but it's kind of tough to, to fantasy matchmake here because we just don't know what these rosters would actually look like and how they would actually do it. So I would use, I would probably say that the Grand Prix would, it would be on like a special occasion type deal. It would just be cool just to do one. Like if there's a division that's just thriving and it's just to get a bunch of great fighters, just do a Grand Prix. Like it doesn't have to be for, you could just do it for a million dollars. I don't know. We could have fun with this is what I'm trying to say. And then it just creates more opportunities for, for fighters. It would just be such an interesting move if they did that now, especially with this Francis deal. But it'd be kind of throwing Francis in there with some big hand-chucking heavyweights. And, like, I think Johnny Eblen would beat pretty much any guy he would fight, whether it be Bellator or PFL. But, again, you bring in some other names – to the organization that makes things interesting, but plus you, you get some fun fights, like throwing Brennan Ward in there with some hitters at 170. Like Lockdown Pitbull would be, I guess, interesting on paper, but it's not, I don't know. I would pick Pitbull to win that fight, like without hesitation. Not saying Brennan Lockdown's a bad fighter, he's a good fighter, but he's just not quite what Pitbull is right now. So, boy, it's much more interesting now that merger because when we first saw those reports like obviously we dug into it and ariel's talked about this as well so i'm not like breaking any fourth wall here but were there ever discussions about this sure are they like currently ongoing as far as i know no but there were like preliminary talks about possibly doing this but it doesn't seem like they're really in play right now apparently there's some heavy hitters who have interest in Bellator, but I wonder if PFL would come back to the table. It's something a little more interesting with, with the business model and all these different investors that they have. So boy, would that be a fascinating move now? Much more fascinating than it was when these reports first started coming out. I'd be surprised if it happened, but I like to live in a world where things are fun 
and interesting and new. And that would be all of those things if they were able to, to pull that off and merge those two brands together. Because I think I, I honestly think this would be very helpful to Bellator right now to be able to merge those organizations together, have the pay every model be on ESPN, which would be huge for, for their fighters. And it would help a lot of their stars or stars of their building get some notoriety. Cause that's like the one thing that really hurts Bellator is that we know when PFL fights are happening, we just, most people don't know when Bellator fights are happening and they, they try on their social channels and stuff, but, Showtime has like decent shows, but not a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, let's watch Showtime tonight or let's purchase Showtime on our cable package or let's get the Showtime app so we can watch Bellator. Like not a lot of people are going to do that, but throw that those fighters on ESPN plus and ESPN and ESPN two for some of their events. A lot of those fighters are going to get noticed a little bit more. So boy, would that be super fun? Jackson. Hello. Hey, good morning, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Um, to be honest with you, Mike, I'm a little bit depressed. I was initially real happy for Francis when this news all came out about the deal and everything, and I've completely changed my mind over this past week because I have a lot of friends that I've like worked real hard to get into MMA and into watching the UFC and everything. Um, but they're definitely kind of more casual fans, and they'll that's sort of how I gauge how hype people are for um, certain events. Not a single one of them has texted me anything about, man, big news for Francis, big deal for Francis. And I'm kind of thinking maybe it was just doomed from the start anywhere he was going to go. Because really, besides maybe one or two guys, there's not really a lot of options for him to fight that people are going to be excited about outside of boxers. And I think we're kind of just left here with like, that's great for him, but like, am I ever going to be as excited for a Francis fight unless he drops – you know, hey, I'm fighting Tyson Fury somehow. Um, it just seems like he was maybe kind of just doomed to as great as it is for him. Unless some promotion can get a whole stack of guys at once or really build up more names in their own promotion, no big name is going to bring them even close, anywhere close ever to getting to what the UFC is doing. Um, or even some big number two that is, you know, a household kind of name. Um I mean, they were texting me all week talking about the uh, Gaethje Poirier fight, how that was going to be the best fight. That card was so stacked. And I mean, it seems like the Francis news, like the UFC almost won by putting that news out to the casuals. Like, I think the hardcore fans know, like, that the Francis news was the bigger deal. But to most people, they're seeing, hey, two exciting fighters we love are fighting for a BMF belt. I'd rather watch that than Francis beat the shit out of some nobody, you know, that I've never heard of before. So I'm just depressed. I'm hoping you can maybe change my mood, Mike, but uh, that's what it is. So have a good morning. I, so let, let me just say, uh, I get where you're coming from. And if there's, I guess, one negative that I saw about this Francis thing is that people are like, well, who's he going to fight? So let me, let me, let me, let me make this attempt to kind of, turn you around a little bit. This whole thing, Francis signing with the PFL, a lot of people have this mentality that it's like, this is the end of the story. Like Francis in the PFL, he's going to fight Mateus Scheffel and anti Jelaja, and that's it. To me, this is the beginning of the story. This is the beginning. The next year, 
to 18 months for the PFL are going, it's, this is to me the most fascinating story in MMA right now. Like I want to know how this is all going to play out. If you are a, if you are a heavyweight that is having any kind of success, whether it's in the UFC or Bellator or Eagle FC, doesn't matter. If you are, or one championship, who cares? If you are anybody with any kind of a name and of having any kind of success and your contract is coming up, you are calling your manager right now and you are saying, get me to the PFL because of what Francis has in his deal. If you fight Francis Ngannou right, if you fight Francis Ngannou in the PFL, you're going to get at minimum $2 million to fight him. And I don't want to turn this into a whole fight or pay thing, whatever. There is, like Jen, Jen mentioned it on BTL. Ty, let's just say Ty Tuivasa has three fights left in his UFC deal. All three of those fights combined, Ty Tuivasa is not going to make $2 million. He's not going to. He's probably not even going to come close to that. You don't think Ty Tuivasa is like, hey, I got two fights left. Let's go out there. Let's do work. And then send me the PFL. We can do Francis versus Tai Tuivasa. Who would complain about that? Two dudes chucking him. Even like a Derek Lewis. Like I know those two fought, and it was one of the worst fights, if not the worst fight in history. But Derek Lewis is a name, and if they try to do that again and it built it up right, it would they could get people excited. Are we going to see John Jones fight Francis? No, we're not going to see that. We're not going to see it. But. If you are any kind of a heavyweight right now, you are looking at the PFL. You are looking at the PFL much more than you were before because it's $2 million. You're going to get at least two mil to fight this guy. Plus, the pay-per-view model, you get 50% of the pay-per-view buys on top of the $2 million. You're making ridiculous money. You're making more money to fight Francis than you ever will over like a four or five fight stretch in any other promotion. So every heavyweight on the planet right now, except for probably John Jones, is eyeballing this. They're looking at this through a whole different lens. Who knows? Like, look, Stipe Miocic is about to fight John Jones. No one knows what his contract looks like. A lot of people are saying he's going to retire. But if Stipe has one fight left when he fights John Jones... And then he loses and is competitive with John. You don't think he's going to go look at the PFL and be like, dude, I'm going to get two mil to fight this guy. Plus pay-per-view buys 50% of it. You don't think Steve would do one more fight to go over there and fight France again. Of course he would. So don't look at the roster. Now look at the roster when Francis fights. There are depl- Fabricio Verdun would be an interesting fight. Not a blockbuster, but that's an interesting fight. There are Nate. He's a former heavyweight champion too. They can make this work. It's just my biggest question about it isn't like who Francis is going to fight because I'm fascinated. He's going to fight. They're trust me with that kind of price tag hanging. They're going to fight. He. They're going to get people for him to fight. There will be interesting names for him to fight because who would not want to go over there and make $2 million to fight Francis Ngannou? At least two mil. And if you're a bigger name, remember, at least two mil. 
If you're a bigger name, you're probably going to get more to fight Francis. So I think, I think the line to fight Francis Ngannou is going to be a long one over the next year or so. And more, because he's going to get two, three fights for them, all of which the opponent's going to make at least two mil. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I don't think the first, I don't think France is going to fight Delijah or Mateus Scheffel right off the bat. I think he's going to fight a bigger name. Honestly, I think it's going to be fine. Not to mention other fighters and other names who see the kind of deal that France and Ghana just got, who are going to be like, huh, well, if Francis got this deal, I might not get exactly the same, but they're going to treat me pretty damn good. And apparently they got money to spend. Maybe I should explore this avenue of the PFL. Like I said, after this deal was done and seeing everything into it, the PFL over the next year to two years is going to be the most interesting story in the sport. The UFC wins every day. They ain't going to do much different if we're being honest and they don't need to. I'm not shitting on the UFC. They're, they're, they, they're winning. They are winning. They are firing on all cylinders. They got cities all over the world calling them up saying, Hey, we will pay you millions of dollars to bring an event to our city. They're winning. They're winning. They got money hand over fist. Too much of it. <laughs> so much. They have won. They don't need to change the bottle. But this is why PFL is going to be so interesting. This is why they're going to be so interesting. Can they be the number two promotion? I think they got a damn good shot. I don't think they're there yet. But they get a damn good shot. I hope that fired you up a little bit. Viking, hello. Good. All right. First of all, let me tell you that I just thanks a lot for the awesome BTL the other day. Serious takes from the both sides. And absolutely, absolutely great, great, great show the BTL was the other day. I just wanted to kiss your head at, the, at that time for producing such kind of a great episode of the show. And the other thing, I just want to know about the American community. You know, the people wears uh, black three-fourth and black shirt and uh, some sort of white T-shirt inside. So what kind of community is that where men wear uh, the clothes I mentioned? Thanks a lot. If you, If you... If you're not getting me, then I'll, uh, have you ever watched the show, that uh, Storage War show? Storage Wars. Uh, hello? I have, yeah, I have not. I have not. Uh, can you, what was the other question about the t-shirts? No, I just wanted to know about the American community in that community in which uh, men, I mean, men wear uh, black three, four, then black black shirt not t-shirt the shirt and black three fourth and shirt right which community is huh. what kind of community is that black t-shirt I... oh sorry i lost you um i'm not really sure 
I'm not really sure. Um, I just wear like golf shirts and V-necks. So yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't. I'm and I don't know if I fully understand the question, but uh, but I appreciate the kind words with BTL. That was a fun show. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. I saw somebody like sent some somebody sent me something on uh, on Instagram yesterday, and he's like. He goes, what I know what I love so much about the shows is that you all genuinely, like you all seem like you genuinely like each other. Like you're all friends. Like you can have, you can bicker every once in a while. You can disagree, but it's like, you all just seem like to like each other. There's nothing fake about it. And it's a great point. Uh, I love doing those shows because it's just, yeah, you want to keep it professional and stuff. But for the most part, this is just us. Like if we're sitting at a bar, like these are, the show is going to like, it would sound exactly the same. It would sound exactly the same, maybe a little more choice language, but for the most part, that's what it would sound like. So yeah, that detail is fun. Enjoy that very much. The Bellator champion series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ, Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, let's go to Abzawalia, then we'll go to Daniel, and then we'll go to my man Brett. We'll try to get to everybody. Hi. Abzawalia, Hi, what's well, up? How you doing? Good, I'm good, you? good. So um, I have um, two questions. Um, one is NBA-related, since it's free fall. So I'm um, just wondering... Uh, could you see Joel and B leaving the Sixers if James Harden leaves? You know, seeing as how he's quite interested in going back to Houston Rockets, and if Embiid were to leave, what possible trade do you reckon the NBA could make based on contract and, I guess, you know, first round picks and vice versa? And my second question is, um, do you think we'll be hearing any news soon about Hamza Chimay's um next fight, possibly with Usman? That's all I have. Thanks, but have a good day. The Hamza thing, I don't know. I, you just never know with him at this point. So I'll just kind of wait and see what happens. They seem to kind of be circling each other, but with Hamza, that doesn't mean anything. So I'm just going to kind of wait and see what happens because he could tweet out whatever he wants and people will get riled up about it and people will respond to it. As far as the NBA goes, if Embiid leaves, all I say is, for the love of God, please please keep him in the Eastern Conference because the Celtics just own him. They own him. And he just he's just not a big moment guy. He's just not. Like, when it counts, he's the, he's the A-rod of the NBA, in my opinion, where the statistics are really good. And once in a while, he'll come through in a big way. But when it's all on the line... I watching game seven, I wanted MB to have the ball as many times as possible. Feed him the basketball because when the going gets tough, 
he doesn't get going. And I love it. I loved every second of it. Every time he touched the ball, I'm like, please shoot. Please, please do something. Hold the ball as much as possible. And it worked out great because he was horrible in game seven. Awful. And James Harden, he shouldn't get a pass either because he sucked in game seven too. But he was more the Celtics just shut his ass down. Joel Embiid just had nothing. And I loved it. And I try to tell you, what did I say after game one when the Sixers beat the Celtics? What did I say? Go back and check the archives. The Sixers have a better chance to beat the Boston Celtics without Joel Embiid. And some people thought I was crazy. I wasn't crazy. I've seen that guy play in these big spots too many times and watch him choke. And I knew that was going to happen in game seven. And that's what, what did happen in game seven. Daniel, hello. Daniel, yes, are you there? Yes, sir. You, you guys can you hear go. me? Aloha. How's it? Yes, guys? sir. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Um, I'm headed down to Big Island to collaborate with BJ Penn at the UFC gym down in Hilo that he acquired. They turned the whole bowling alley into the UFC gym out in Hilo. So, you know, BJ put it on the map. I've been training with him for a while in Hawaii, but I came back to bury my father and to uh, take care of the ranch out here. So, but I got, um, yeah, I just had a question. Um, so I don't know why they think that Francis Nogano didn't do a good thing for the sport and for everybody. I mean, he, he's, a, he's, he's, really, he's really stepped up and he's going to be on the board for the PFL Africa and he's going to be giving his opponent $2 million guaranteed. That's not counting sponsorships and pay-per-views. I mean, that's great. That's, that's business. I mean, they didn't do that to Connor. They, I mean, they let Connor do whatever the hell he wanted. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's you know as a fighter, it's 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 a good thing for him. I, I and I know he's working with great guys. He's out there at Extreme Couture, and Randy's doing great things. We keep in contact. Randy Couture's uh, having uh, the Extreme Couture GI Foundation, and I'm going to be doing a a show. It's combatants for disabled combat veterans because they're starting to cut veterans. And if there's any veterans out there. That uh, that you know, please forward them to me because they're starting to cut veterans' benefits, is, and and they're letting and they're letting other people that are from out of country live in the country. And and I don't know if you've seen the article; they're kicking people out that are combat veterans out of a place to stay in New York, and they're replacing them with migrants. I mean, that makes no damn sense. But anyways, I just want to say that uh, if there's any veterans you know, um, especially combat veterans, and uh, please follow Randy Couture. And um, I've been working with Cassius Clay. You know, watch out for that guy. I mean, he's a stud, you know. So uh, the PFL is coming up. And uh, what the Logan brothers are backdooring everybody anyways because the Logan brothers got the prime deal. Now UFC's prime. And the, and the UFC acquired the WWE. That tells you something right there. They've been cutting fighters, shitty checks. I know fighters that got CTE and they got permanent brain damage and they got injuries. And they don't get taken care of. They don't get taken care of. I'm a combat veteran, and I get retired benefits from the from the hotshot captain fire department that I worked for the DOD. So I set myself up. Yeah. I don't have. I can't get a hold of Erica. Okay. Um, would you? All right. Thank you. All right. Daniel. Well, you guys Appreciate have a good that. day. Yeah, bro. I'll be following you and watch out for Francis because he's all healed up. He's working with Extreme Couture, and he's got wrestling now and jiu-jitsu, and his hands, I mean, he can go to a boxing match. The UFC wouldn't cut him that deal. They don't want him to go box anybody. I think it's great that he takes a tune-up fight and boxes somebody, you know? 
He doesn't have to be Wilder or Fury, but I mean, if he boxes somebody and goes out there and beats him, it, it, we're, we're, we're multiple tour combat athletes. I mean, the, uh, the Mayweather, the, the Mayweather stick, he likes to cherry pick and um, Conor McGregor went and lasted 10 rounds with them, bro. You know what I mean? He's a, but if it had been MMA, Floyd doesn't want any of that. We seen what Randy did to um, who was that fighter? Uh, the big guy, the big guy, James. Yeah, you smoked him in the first round with an ankle pick. But Randy's an Olympic Army boxer. He wasn't gonna box with James Tony. He took him down with an ankle pick and choked him out. You know what I mean? Yep. So, anyways, guys, yeah, I'll be following you. Look out for me. Look out for Randy. All right, I love you guys, man. Thank you, Daniel. Yep. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, support that. Uh, definitely don't want to see the the combat bets get benefits cut or anything like that. So uh, when that show comes to light, uh, make sure you all check it out. Here's the thing about Francis. The deal is great. Like everything is great. We should be happy for the man and what he's trying to do. There should be skepticism though. There should be some skepticism. And it has nothing to do with Francis. Nothing. Because he is trying to do something to change the game. I have many questions though. I have many questions, and I had a lot of these same questions about Eagle FC. It's a little bit different with this um, because we know where some of this money is coming from because the whole thing with Eagle FC to me was like, how the fuck are they able to pull off what they're trying to do? How are they able to put on these big events and get all these massive names? Like, How are they funding this? How is this possible? And we haven't seen them do a U.S. show in forever and kind of feel like we know where that's heading. I have similar questions about the PFL. At least we know where the money's, a lot of this money is coming from. But it seems like PFL is taking a big risk, but they have money coming in, and they are prepared to take a lot of loss here because they're going to take a loss, and they're going to take losses for a long time. It is going to take a long time for them to profit off of this deal. It's going to take a long time. What does that mean for the future? Not really sure. But I do have questions about how much and how long they can sustain this over time. And it seems like they're prepared to lose in this battle. Uh, They're prepared to take losses. They're prepared for a marathon and not a sprint. And I can respect that. But these are some of the skeptical questions that I have about this deal. And it has nothing to do with Francis. Because Francis, God bless him, A-plus, killed it. And got all these great things in place for other fighters. I call this a potential game changer. I'm not calling it a game changer yet. I think it's too soon to say that. But potential game changer? Unequivocally potential. If this works, it will be a game changer. But I think it's too soon to say that right now. Because PFL has to come through. They're going to get a lot of eyeballs on their product because of this deal. These cards need to be good and fun to watch. They cannot be 18-hour just dragathons because that's the issue. Watching PFL events, they last forever. We complain about the UFC pacing sometimes. PFL is a thousand times worse. I feel like I'm at the opera watching the PFL. I'm just like, golly, this is intermission? We still have another two hours of this? Like, just move it along. Fight. Story, fight, story, fight. Like, not 45 minutes in between fights. 
I cannot like they cannot afford to have the Twitter feeds like every single card with everybody who's watching being like, dude, it's been 75 minutes since the last fight took place. It is up to them to make these next couple of cards an experience for the viewers. I'm not saying every fight has to be great, but we have to move the pacing along a little bit. We have to quicken things up, make it palatable to the viewer. But yes, Francis deserves a lot of credit. But just, I just am not ready to come out and be like, this has changed the game forever because it's a lot of money that's out there. And it's going to take a long time to get that money back. So I have questions. But as far as the risk being taken by the PFL, I commend them. This is a potential game changer, 100%. Brett, what's up? I'm doing well. Uh, I got new hours at work, and so sometimes listening in and trying to call up can be a little bit difficult at times, but uh, I had some free time today. I just wanted to uh, jump in uh, and uh, say what's up. And uh, first thing I wanted to do is wish your mom a happy 70th birthday on the air. I don't know. Um, I know it was a few days back, but... Uh, She's uh, Mama Heck, and uh, I've known her a long, long time, and uh, happy birthday to that woman uh, to start off. Uh, so uh, to get into things, um, I hear a lot of Cosmot talk, and I know everything, he opens his mouth, everybody wants to fight him. But the fight that really intrigues me, because uh, I like Bilal Muhammad, and I would love to see them catch up maybe at that 185 weight, 170, wherever it needs to be. I just think that would be a fantastic matchup. Um, due to Bilal's takedown defense with Kazmat not being able to drill him to the ground. And it could be like one of those type of brawls that you saw versus uh, Gilbert Burns. Um, and then I wanted to discuss, um, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Drickus uh, Duplessis, but uh, I also understand that the gatekeeper in that division is Robert Whitaker, and Robert Whitaker is not going anywhere. So anybody that says that they're looking past Whitaker, that he's automatically going to fight Adesanya. Unless Adesanya just wants to beat his face in, he's not going to get that fight unless he wins Whitaker. And uh, I don't think Whitaker is ready to lie down. And, and, and um, I think he's going to beat his face in, to be honest with you, as much as I love Jadikis Duplessis. Um, and uh, real quick, uh, I want to see Gaethje over Dustin. I want to see him uh, get that uh, W. And I want to see him uh, rise to the top because I'm a huge Gaethje fan. And uh, I wanted to uh, ask you your opinion on... Uh, UFC Boston uh, with uh, the main event. Um, I don't know if it's signed, not signed, but staying there, it's signed. But uh, anything that you hear leaking out for uh, potential fights on the undercard, and uh, I absolutely want to meet you there at, uh, before for some uh, a bite to eat and a drink, Mike, and uh, have a heck of a morning, my friend. Good to hear from you, Brett. I've known Brett for almost, I mean, almost for a long-ass time. Uh, he was good friends with, with my oldest brother and yes, he knows mama heck very well. Yes. Mama heck had a great 70th birthday. Uh, Brian, my little brother, Brian just celebrated a birthday on Wednesday. So he's 36 now, which is crazy to even say into a live microphone right now. So happy birthday, Brian heck belated. Um, lot to unpack here. Gaethje Pori is great fight. Hamza Bilal would have been, would have been a great fight. Uh, but again, I've talked about this a million times. Bilal could have gotten that fight, I think. He just kind of kind of hurt himself with his call-outs. 
calling for Colby and calling for title shots after wins over Luke and Wonder Boy didn't do him any favors. Had he just gone all in on Hamzat, I think he would have gotten that fight before Gilbert got it. And then we could be having a different conversation right now. But that would be an interesting matchup if it happened. I just don't know if it's going to. Because I feel like Hamzat is just going to fight at 85. And I think that's a good place for him. As far as UFC Boston goes, I haven't heard much. I don't even know if the Sterling O'Malley fight is like officially official. I, I think we're going to have to wait a little bit of time before that becomes officially official. Wouldn't shock me if it got pushed or if Aljo just moves to another card. I, it wouldn't stun me because it's a, it's a pretty damn quick turnaround. He's got a lot of things that he's had to deal with injury wise and recovery wise. And he just had a five round battle with Henry Cejudo. And now you're asking him to turn back around three months later. You're asking a lot, especially when a lot of these champions haven't fought at all like this year. So, I don't know. I just feel like it's asking a lot. Now, do they could Aljo get cleared and the UFC throw him a big bag of money? Sure. I could see that happening. But I don't know if I'm – if you are like, this is the one fight I need to see, Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley, I would say wait a couple of weeks before you book those tickets to Boston. I'll just – I mean, that's just kind of the vibe that I'm getting. As far as other fights in the card, I have no idea. I would say Rob Font will probably fight on that card. I'd love to see Rob Font versus Piotr Jan on that card. That makes a ton of sense to me. Love that idea. I know he's calling out Davis and Figueredo uh, for a Bantamweight fight. They can, if Figgy's healed up and wants to do that, cool. I'm down with that, but Font should definitely be on that card. We will not see Calvin Cater on that card because Cater is still recovering from the knee. Trying to... Paco Porter absolutely should be on that card. And you know how Dana feels about Boston, so I, I think we'll have some some other compelling fights on that card. I just don't know what they're going to be. Um, kind of far away, but I'd say in the next two to three weeks, probably get a little more clarity on it, but I would expect Rob Font to fight on that card. Uh, let's get Joey in here. What's up, Joey? I'm doing good. How you doing, Mike? You. Um, so what's your thoughts on the main event for this weekend for Dern and Hill? Like, ideally, I would say Hill's like the gatekeeper of the division, so we'll see like the true test of Dern. But we know how Dern is this very talented grappler, but it's like one of those grapplers that just doesn't have the pure wrestling to get it to the ground. So ideally, could this fight almost be like boring if Hill's just circling out the cage using her basic one twos with her kicks? Because only other way I see Dern really winning this fight is maybe while it's still early between like a round and a half and maybe she either pulls guard or bull rushes and maybe jumps the back of Hill. And before I get off, Charles Johnson, you are one tough SOB. I respect how you fight. I respect how you take any opponent. But for the love of God, please let the UFC give you a striker so I can see you knock someone the F out. But besides that, have a good one, Mike. Yeah, shout out, shout out Charles Johnson. Shout out Charles Johnson. Uh, I'm with you in a lot of those respects when it comes to this fight. I feel like, I feel like Angela Hill's being kind of overlooked here. But I can understand why Dern's the favorite. It's not just the wrestling that concerns me about Dern. Like, I'd love to see her become, like, not a classic 
wrestler per se, but mix in some takedowns, mix in some, some shots. But to me, it's about, cause she's going to get Angela Hill down. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter how the fight's going to go. She could be, she could get 10 aided in the first two rounds. She's going to get this fight down at some point. At some point, she's going to trip Angela Hill and she's going to get her down and she's going to be in a dominant position. But can she put her away? Can she put her away? And what I would like to see from Mackenzie Dern is if she gets in these dominant positions and she can't get the rear naked choke or can't get a submission, can she land some ground and pound? That's what we want. Because I think she could have beat Yan Jonan if she actually punched her on the ground. And she threw like a couple of small shots, but that's one key piece to her game that's missing is just being violent in those positions, not just looking for the sub, but doing damage down there. Cause she has the chance to do it. She just doesn't do it. And that's, if you're a Dern fan, that's frustrating. That's frustrating, especially watching the Anjan on fight, like seeing the opportunities to drop elbows and land big punches on the ground. And she, and she just doesn't do it. So Maybe that part of her game has evolved since the Anjanan fight, but I guess I'm with you. If Dern can't get it down and she can't sub her and she gets frustrated, yeah, we could see Angela Hill just box her up for a minute. And that, that could definitely happen. I could, there's a lot of people I see on the uh, in the MMA betting community that are taking the dog shot on Angela Hill, and I can't say I blame you. I think there's value there. But it all just kind of depends on which Mackenzie Dern shows up. Uh, Coach Mark. What's up, Coach Mark? Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Very good, man. Thanks for taking my question. I was uh, listening to Francis on the Ariel Hawaii show, and they were talking about 1FC, and he made a comment kind of like some promoters are two-faced, and it felt like it was in reference to Chatri. Do you know anything about 1FC or Chatri that would kind of shed some light on that comment? Um, I mean, look, there's Bloody Elbow has done a tremendous job at going through the financials of one, so we can kind of see what we're dealing with here. One is a, a very interesting promotion, but Chatri put out that, remember Chachi put out that tweet? We withdrew our offer from Francis. We were going to pay him $20 million or whatever. And then the tweet got deleted and Francis asked about that. And they're like, well, we never talked about that at all. Like we never even discussed any kind of an offer. So I don't know what he's talking about. I think Chachi's putting on a show. He's a performer, I believe was the, was the right way to look at it. Look, I think most of us understand who, like what Chachi is trying to do. Um, he just he's, he's he's kind of a wrestling promoter, if you will. He just says things. Oh yeah, well UFC has this many people. We have billions and billions of people watching our show. We're just like, dude, come on. I respect that he just takes the gimmick and sticks with it. I appreciate that. Like if you're gonna, as Jed Mishu likes to say, if you gotta be a bear, be a grizzly. And Chatri is a fucking grizzly bear. That dude ain't wavering. He is the gimmick. He will always be the gimmick, and I guess I respect that about him. But we kind of know what we're dealing with here. Kind of know what we're dealing with. So I think that's the, – the, the weirder one was the Dave Feldman one, where Dave's like, 
we can't afford him. He's asking for too much money. His value's dropping by the second. And then France like, we didn't even talk to them. Like, it's not that we didn't get an offer from them. We haven't even talked to them. We didn't talk to anybody from BKFC. And I'm like, oh, God. And that's like the beginning of all of this was that Feldman comment at the presser at BK, for the BKFC 41 presser. So, I don't know. Chachri's just Chachri and... Like, one kind of wouldn't be one in the way we feel about one without him being the way that he is. So, yeah, Chachi's just, he just says shit. CV, hello. Yo, Mike, heck of a Friday. Um, apologies um, if my questions have been asked already. Uh, I've been in and out of the this, of this space this morning. Uh, just two quick questions for me, one MMA, one non-MMA related. Uh, first question, um, the lightweight title picture. Um, I know we got uh, Darish and Oliveira fighting next month, and um, I'm favoring Darish to win. Uh, but but what if um, Charles uh, gets the W? Um, and also, like we got the, I know we got the Poirier Gaethje rematch for the BMF title. But um, and on October, they're they're probably they're going to Abu Dhabi in October, and it's probably safe to assume that Islam will defend his belt um, at that time. Um, is there a chance that? Um, like the winner of Poria Gaethje can insert himself in the title picture for that fight. And um, like if Charles wins against Dariush, like I, I, the UFC will probably be hesitant to give him another crack at Islam. Right. But um, I, I still feel like Dariush is going to win and he'll eventually get the title shot, but just want to get your thoughts on that. And uh, second question is, uh, is Victor Wembenyama the greatest NBA prospect ever? Thanks. Oh, man, it's tough to say with Victor. He's up there. He's up there. He's 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 one of the best at uh, – yeah, it's, that's a tough question. That's something I have to, like, sit down and think about. To answer your first question, no, they're not going to give Charles Oliveira the shot at Islam again, I don't think. If he wins, he's probably – I don't know. He needs to do a lot of spectacular things to get back in there because I just don't see that fight going any differently for Charles. I just, I just don't. I think Islam just kind of had his number and will probably always have his number. Maybe if Charles goes out and beats Darius and wins a couple more, maybe we can go back to that well, but the UFC certainly isn't going to go back to that well immediately. So if Darius wins, he gets it. Could there be a world where the Poirier Gaethje winner gets it if Oliveira wins? Sure, but that's a quick turnaround. It's two and a half months. And those two are going to beat the brakes off of each other. So I, I would, I'd be stunned if one of those guys will be able to turn around two and a half months. So my guess is Darius wins and we don't have to worry about it. But if Oliveira wins, my other guess would be if Volkanovsky just runs Yair on July 8th, I could see them going back to that well. If Darius loses and Volk wins, I could see them going back to that. Because I just don't know what else – I don't know what other fight you can do. You can do all there, but I just don't think the interest is going to be there. Maybe we get the Islam Armin Sarukian rematch. I don't know. But, yeah, that, that would be my guess. But we'll see what happens. Maybe Poirier Gaethje ends in a minute. What's up, four on Sniper? Uh, heck of a morning. Uh, yeah. 
So I heard him get mentioned earlier, so I thought I'd ask a question about him. I'm under the impression that Magomed Ankalaev is actually the best light heavyweight in the world. I think I probably stand alone with that opinion. Uh, I just wanted your thoughts on who he's probably going to fight next, who he needs to beat in order to get to that title shot, and let's say Jamal Hill's still the champion. How would you see that fight going between him and Magomed? Thanks, Mike. Um, there we go. Um, I don't think you're alone with with that take of yours that Magomed Ankalaev might be the best late heavyweight in the world. I I, I, I literally just said that uh, about an hour ago that he might be the best late heavyweight in the world. The problem is this is the UFC, and it's not always about merit, especially if there's other names at the top that are more interesting to the potential pay-per-view buying audience. And Magomed Ankalaev just ain't that. He's just not. They've given him chances to be that, and he hasn't really, at least in his last two of his last three, hasn't really been that guy, at least to them. So I think Ankalaev will fight Johnny Walker next. I don't think Dana was overly thrilled with Johnny's performance against Anthony Smith. I think they'll just kind of throw those two guys in there, and one guy's going to be out of the picture for a minute, and one guy's going to be further up the ladder, I guess. But I kind of see... Those two guys getting put together, and I don't think you're alone. I think most people, I don't, I, I would say, uh, most people probably agree with you that skill set wise, Magomed Ankalaev might be the best light heavyweight in the world, but is he the kind of guy that's going to draw you a bunch of money? Not really sure. Doesn't seem like the UFC is that confident in that. And at the end of the day, it's about getting eyeballs on the product and people spending money on you. And I just don't know if Magomed's that guy. Now, if he goes out and fights Johnny Walker and just runs him and finishes him fast in an impressive fashion, winning and winning impressively changes the narrative. But he's got to go out there and do it. And kind of the same with Johnny Walker right now. And if he fought Jamal Hill, I'd probably pick Ankle Laugh to win that fight. YVMZ, hello. Hi, Mike. Heck of a morning. Uh, just wanted to make a quick comment. I think Benil... And this may be a hot take. I think Benil Darush and Bilal are just uninteresting fighters. I think if either one actually gets in uh, the belt, I think either division is just going to be held up for a while. I, I just don't think they're very interesting people. Um, so that's just a hot take. Uh, just quick question, though. Um, do you think uh, this fight in Salt Lake City between Justin and Poirier um, may favor Justin a little bit more, especially because he trains in Denver? I think the altitude is definitely going to be um, a huge advantage for him. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on Adesanya's comments on Blahovich and Alex about how um, Blahovich is just going to take him down and ragdoll him. And uh, Do you think that's true? Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thank you. Um, I don't know if it's going to be true. Not really sure. Is there a world where that could happen? Possibly, but I think Jan Blachowicz, I think Jan Blachowicz is uh, going to have to get there, and it's not going to be easy. He's going to have to go through some pain to, to get to those positions, and luckily Alex Pereira works with a guy who ran over Jan Blachowicz in short order in Glover Teixeira, so I'm sure they're preparing for that. I'm sure Pereira's takedown defense is getting better and evolving, and 
those two are going to stand at some point and Pereira is going to hit them. And it's just a matter of uh, can Jan withstand the power of Pereira, especially now that he doesn't have to cut a million pounds to get to 205. So look, is, is he's, is he's fought both guys. So he knows a lot better than I do. And then with your take, I don't know. I, there's similarities there for sure. When we talk about the callouts and planting seeds for your future in terms of getting big fights, they're neck and neck because both of them have not done each other any favor, done themselves any favors in that respect. But I feel like the community as a whole has embraced Bilal a little bit more than they did probably at this time a year ago. I think the just going into the Sean Brady fight, every, I mean, there were very few people picking Bilal Muhammad to beat Sean Brady. And then Bilal went in there and just kind of blew the doors off of him. And then he goes and gets short notice win against Gilbert Burns. The whole thing with uh, the John Anna Colby situation did him a lot of favors. So I think people are starting to buy into Bilal a little bit more. I just, I think, I don't know. I don't know. Bilal needs Bilal Muhammad needs Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler to not fight for as long as possible. For as long as possible. That's what he needs. And Benil wins. Like Benil's getting the next shot. Like whether it's interesting or not, it doesn't really matter. They're going to Abu Dhabi. They're going to throw Islam on that card. Islam can fight anybody. And that arena is going to sell out. People will be excited. But I'm actually like intrigued of all the fights Islam Makachev can have right now. I'm probably most intrigued by the, by the Darius fight. Should he beat Charles Oliveira? So yeah, if, if Darius wins, is getting the title shot. And if he doesn't, this is unbelievable to me. Bilal, I'm not as confident in mostly because Connor's coming back and with who Connor is fighting. Zeke, Zeke, take us home. Zeke. Zeke. All right. We lost Ezekiel. We tried. All right. Wow. I went for an hour and 20 minutes today. All right. We're done. Thank you very much. You are all the best. Excited to be back this week. Do a couple of shows for you. We'll be back again on Tuesday. We'll do it again. We will react to whatever happens this weekend in the world of combat. There will be no UFC event next weekend. Uh, The long holiday weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. So there will be no UFC card. So it's going to be kind of like a free-for-all week, I think with whatever's going on. Hopefully we'll have some news to discuss, but it's MMA. So there usually is. We will have a UFC Vegas 73 preview show live on the YouTube channel, uh, MMAfighting.com's YouTube channel. Check it out. Subscribe. Turn the notifications on. Then you know exactly when we're going live. 3 p.m. Eastern. Myself, my best friend, A.K. Lee, and my fellow born and raised New Englander, Jose Youngs, and we will break down Dern versus Hill, some of the other intriguing matchups, take some questions, etc. 3 p.m. Eastern, join us for that. 
But until then, everybody, have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.